0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport.
1: And we're here with Voices of Unity. I'm Ellen Debenport. This is a show that invites new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise. To help you dive deep into spiritual topics so you can discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. The guests on this show come and stay for several weeks so we can really go deep with whatever it is they know something about. This is the seventh week and the last week with uh, Reverend Coach Carla McClellan. Is Reverend Coach a title? Why not? It's like Reverend Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) The Reverend Coach Doctor. The Reverend Coach (laughs) Carla McClellan. Um, We've been talking about designing a life you would love to live, Because that's what she helps people do as a coach. She helps them design their lives. And we've been through a lot of topics and a lot of tangents, I'm afraid, (laughs) although all of them were interesting. But this is the last week, and so you said this week we get to enjoy and celebrate. Yes. We'll talk about gratitude and abundance, and maybe a little more about what we talked about last week was looking at life through the green lens, which is... Sounds like a little more than positive thinking. Yes. Do you, to, do you want to review that for us before we go forward?
2: I think that would be uh, really important. So the green lens comes from that part of our mind that does the creative thinking.
1: And when we talked about green lens, red lens. Uh-huh. So the red lens is when you're just angry and judgmental and reactive. Yes. None of us ever do that. Ever. So the green lens.
2: The green lens <laughs> is that part, is the creative part of our mind, the frontal lobes, that lights up green when we have an MRI. Okay. Uh, and it it the lens has us look at life a certain way. So we look at another person from their divinity, if you will. Or, to put it on more neutral terms, we look at other people as a hero, whole, perfect, and complete, just as they are, our principle one and our principle two, which ties in our principle three,
1: God is all there is. Therefore, human beings are divine, mm-hmm. and our thoughts have creative power. Right. That's one, two, three.
2: And so, if our thoughts have creative power, how I'm looking at this person affects not our relationship. Sure. So this person is whole, perfect, and complete, just as they are. They have dreams and goals, and they aspire to make a difference in the world. All of us do. It's not just you that wants to make a difference. Um, um, you look at the person at, with, um, with respect for the differences and uh, dignity, for the challenges they have along their way.
1: One of the things I learned back in my days as a reporter is that if I thought someone's behavior was just bizarre and made no sense at all, I didn't know enough of the story. I needed to do more reporting because once I understood their point of view, what they were doing made sense. Even if I still disagreed, Mm-hmm. Even if I wished they would do something differently, even if they were coming from mental illness, it made sense to them. Yes. Yes. So I can at least give them the benefit of the doubt.
2: Right. Right. Um, and knowing that they have dreams and goals of their own is a way you can relate. Because I've got dreams. I've got goals. So in that way, how might I serve this person achieving their dreams and their goals.
1: Yeah. And, I, and we also talked about not questioning their motives.
2: There you go. Which
1: I think comes up a lot. We talked in political terms, but I think it also comes up in the workplace a lot or in churches.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: Where people who are angry with each other uh, don't stop to think, they love this church as much as I do. They want it to survive and thrive just like I do. They're seeing it differently. I mean, that sets up a great conversation.
2: Doesn't it? If
1: everybody can just calm down enough to have it.
2: So the other thing that I will um, say to you and to our listeners is do not argue with monkey mind. (laughs) So when somebody's really right and they're really sure they're really right, you know you're talking to the monkey mind.
1: Really? Yes. Not just a stubborn person? No,
2: no, 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 no. You're talking to monkey mind. They are reacting. They don't feel safe. They, they really want, they're in, they're in protective, defensive mode, okay? So you want to tame that monkey down. You want to get it off their back, if you will.
1: I don't want to take it on myself. No,
2: you sure don't. But so how do we do that? We do that by asking questions. Tell me more. What makes you see it that way? What's really going on here? Um, So that they can, as I say to my clients, just cough up your fur balls. I'm not going to pick them up, but you can dump them here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cough up what's bothering you. I'm going to deeply listen to that, but I'm not going to take it on. It's not my responsibility, because I know you're a hero, whole, perfect, and complete, just as you are, that you have dreams and goals, and you long to make a difference, and that I'm just here to reflect back to you that I see that in you. So again, it's treating others with dignity and respect, listening to what they have to say, listening from the point I want them to take a break so I can get my two cents worth in
1: i think you said one of these weeks maybe last week you don't try to talk people out of monkey mind Mm -mm. and boy that would be my instinct is to just say no no you're not being logical here's how it really is which is probably my monkey mind responding to them yes and i've learned that logic doesn't my logic doesn't always work with other people and scaring them
2: doesn't really work does it it just inflames that monkey mind. So if you say you're going to lose your job if you don't
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm not very scary.
2: No. I'm I...
1: <laughs> but I've been scared by some people. Some people
2: are scared. apparently
1: learned as children that a furious comeback is the way to handle fear.
2: Well, let's be honest about it. A furious combat shuts down all communication. Right. So in their mind, they've won. Right. Let them win. Just let them win. And then,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: begin the conversation about what that what can be learned next to be more effective with what our goal is, our dream is. So. Y- Last week we talked about, well, do I put my personal dream on hold so I I take care of the world's problems? Right. No, you don't put your personal dream on hold. You demonstrate your personal dream for the greater good of the world. Because when we put our personal dreams on hold, we are dissatisfied, we're frustrated, we're resentful, And we really feel like we're missing something, and we are missing something. We have a purpose in life, and unless we're bringing that purpose forward again for the greater good, then there is um, a lack, we're on automatic pilot. You know, what needs to happen? Remember that Howard Thurman quote that I love so much don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. That's what the world needs is more people who've come alive. And to me, that's what the message of unity is. Hey, you can wake up and do it differently. No harm, no foul. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up. It's not, you know, you're not a spiritual enough consciousness. It's, it's okay. You've been doing it this way. Let's shift and see what other way would you like to try it? You know, it's all about learning. We're in earth school.
1: Let's go back to the part about setting aside your dreams. Okay. Because I think sometimes people do it because they believe they should be out saving the world. Sometimes I think a lot of women do it in order to take care of their families. Absolutely. But you and I have talked about, and, you know, sometimes I can't remember what we've talked about on the radio and what we just said over dinner. (laughs) But but, um, we've talked about how spiritual people often think it's not spiritual to want to be rich or to be successful. and. It's not to me that's not quite the same as feeling unworthy it's just feeling like there are rules that I can't have this
2: yes yes I um, well you know I, I and I think it comes back to our theology too um, so in Christian theology there is a passage in the in scripture that says a rich man can't pass through the eye of a needle so somehow in our meaning-making minds we made that mean okay being rich is really bad mm-hmm. well what we see evidence of of being rich is really really good in the contribution you're able to make for the world look at the good bill gates does yes you know, look at warren buffett you know they're not leaving it to their children sorry kids <laughs> but they're leaving it to the world hmm and is wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't
1: that be fun? Oh,
2: and I look at like Oprah Winfrey. And yeah, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't I love to say here? Here's a you know a million dollars. Do something for um, uh, orphans in this country. You know that would be, that would be so empowering and and so joy producing. So I can't put my dreams aside. I I and, and I've looked at this. We've talked about this before about how somehow. There's something wrong with money. And we forget that it is the focus we're placing on that money.
1: Love of money is the root of all evil.
2: Love of money. So, okay, so somehow in my adolescent mind, I made that mean that, okay, just forget about money. Just give, 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 give. But you know what else I learned? And I learned this yesterday. A minister woke me up to this fact. What? That not only is giving a spiritual practice, but so is receiving. And I just went,
1: wow. Say more about that. Yeah.
2: So we know there's a spiritual practice of tithing. Yes. And it's drilled into us. And every minister talks about it and every community looks at it. Um, How can we give? How can we give? It's not about getting. It's about giving. But we forget giving and receiving is one action. So it's all spiritual practice. So if you give and don't receive back, you're blocking an energy flow. And it's very difficult, I will admit, for me to receive. So what is that really saying? It's not you know, that somehow I give until I'm totally exhausted. Well, I've done that for many years in my life. And let me tell you, it doesn't make it easy and comfortable.
1: And it's not the way to do the most good for the most people. No. It's, uh-uh. it's put your own oxygen mask on first. First.
2: And so um, waking up to that fact, looking how, because on the spiritual path, sometimes we're awake and guess what? A lot of times we're asleep. So when I say we're asleep, I say that 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 we forget who we truly are. We forget that um, it's not just about giving. We forget it's about that, that receiving to keep the flow of energy going. Everything is about flow. We're either constricting the flow, we're standing on the garden hose while watering the flowers, or it's about... Um, uh, um, forgetting about how flow happens. We attach ourselves that flow needs to look a certain way. I used to say, you know, when you get a present, just because it's not in purple wrapping paper with a beautiful silver bow does not mean you don't open it. So everything can be considered in the present moment a gift. And that's what true abundance really means.
1: Everything? Everything.
2: Even the bad stuff? Even the bad stuff. I
1: don't want an abundance of bad stuff.
2: No, I don't either. And, and you know, truthfully, 30, 40 years ago, I really think that was the message that went out from from unity ministers, is if we thought a certain way and we prayed a certain way and we sat in the silence long enough, that life would be seamless.
1: We would only get the good stuff. We
2: would only get the good stuff. So um, that, to me, is a rather adolescent way of looking at life. I want to experience life in its allness, which means that sometimes experiences rip me open.
1: You know, I do still hear that message a lot, that if only we practice spiritual principles correctly, Mm -hmm. our lives will be nothing but easy and fun. And you can look around and see that's not true. <laughs> so people begin to doubt the principle itself.
2: And I think that has a lot to do why um, why people are not going like they used to to churches or spiritual communities. Is you know okay? Let me ask you some questions because you can teach them or um give them all the spiritual uh knowledge that you have to share, but that's not enough in today's age. They want to be able to ask those powerful questions. They want to begin to to see okay, if you tell me Carla, dreams can come true, you tell me how my dream can come true
1: mm-hmm.
2: And so that's the message that that has caught me um uh Awake in life. Okay. I have found that spiritual principles work. I've been told that for many, many years. But as I shared before, when my daughter died at 27 and I was a minister in a church, um, that was a rug. You know, okay. What? This was not part of my game plan. Mm -hmm. I'm working for the good. And this happens in my personal life? Um so began the journey. And one of the things I'm grateful for is I heard the voice of my father who was, had long gone uh, was uh, prove the principles. Oh, okay. Well, I've been talking about them for 40-odd years. I might as well really put them into practice. And so I know there's a way through whatever we're experiencing. So whatever we're experiencing is for our good or it's against us.
1: And nothing and no one is against us.
2: Yeah. So there we have it. Hmm. So to practice the principles takes prayer and meditation and silence, but you know what else it takes, Ellen? Willingness to be supported. Hmm. That's what brings this sense of ease into a situation. Um
1: supported by other
2: people. Other people. Yeah, we can't do it all alone, even though, you know, we have a John Wayne mentality (laughs) in our culture. It's we're meant to be in relationship, especially in those times of deep questioning and deep self-realization. How do we move forward even in the face of what we really, really, really don't want to be facing the face of our fear? Yeah. It's always about slaying the dragons on the hero's journey. <laughs> That's the the part that we don't always want to accept.
1: I used to have that argument, a running friendly argument with another minister who's very much into the hero's journey, turns everything into the hero's journey. And I was arguing the hero's journey insists that there will be dragons. And I don't want to affirm that there will be dragons. Mm-hmm. I don't want to assume that's going to be part of my life.
2: Could I ask why?
1: I don't want to face the dragons.
2: <laughs> what makes you not want to face the dragons?
1: They're scary. They'll hurt me.
2: <laughs> the cool thing is there's this wonderful story about facing the dragons, and, and, uh, and I think... Maybe it's not facing the dragons, but it's facing a monster, and it's a Buddha story. And, and the monster says to the warrior that doesn't feel capable, I don't want to face you. I don't want to fight you. I'm not into that. I don't want to do it. And the monster says, let me give you a secret then. Acknowledge me. See me. But never listen to me. Hmm. And so it's somewhere along the line, and maybe it's because... You know, we all have these fears. I thought, well, you know, you can't focus on your fears because you get stopped. So feel the fear, but set your intention and do what action is being called for, even though you're afraid. Because if I had, my daughter was born with a birth defect, if I had not faced that dragon, then I wouldn't have been conscious enough to be her spiritual companion through her life.
1: And if you had listened to the dragon, it would have said things like, this is going to be terrible. Yes. There's no way out of this.
2: And nurses wanted to come in and tell me all the limitations my daughter was going to have. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't let them come in after a while. And um, my neurosurgeon was so wonderful. He said to me, hey, why don't you just look at it this way, Carla? Your daughter had a rough start. But but from now on out, there's possibilities for change, for good in her life. She's not going to be limited. And I thought, what a way of ministering.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was so grateful. So that's why I say no matter what happens in your life, there's something in it that increases your sense of abundance, of joy, of prosperity in life. Because... I never would have expected a neurosurgeon to say that to me.
1: It's, um, you know, we have this little magazine called Daily Word, Mm -hmm. a booklet of daily devotionals that Unity's been publishing since 1924. And I get to edit it and sometimes write for it. And it's always done about six months in advance. So over the weekend, I was working on uh, writing entries for Good Friday and the Saturday before Easter, which are sad days. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, you know, those of us who are trying to think positive, what good can we find in Good Friday? It's a focus on a crucifixion, for heaven's sake. And what I came up with actually for both days is we don't have the big picture. Yeah, There's more going on here than we may be aware of. And sometimes you just wait in faith for more to be revealed. And that's what the disciples were doing on Saturday. They didn't know it. They thought the world had come to an end, but there was more to be revealed.
2: Yes. Yeah. And and when we think about um, uh, how Peter denied Jesus three times, denied knowing him, said, I don't know him, I don't know. And that was out of fear.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: And. Less than three years later, was out healing five thousand people. Right. So it's not over till it's over, folks. You know, but let's <laughs> celebrate when we have demonstrated something we had we longed to demonstrate.
1: Yeah, and I think we're talking in the context of there's good in everything. Everything a- abundance includes what appears to be bad, and I think a lot of it is just how we label things.
2: Definitely, and most of our miscommunication is that way. Yeah. You know, um, I I had a great lesson last week because I used a term that to me was not was not it was fact. Mm-hmm. In response to somebody's question, and I said, "Could you go deeper than a sound bite?" Ouch. Well, was it an ouchie? Yeah. <laughs> to me, it was just well, you know. I know when I give a soundbite, I'm phoning it in, right? Yeah. And so I wanted some more deepage.
1: <laughs> Understandable, but you're saying and the
2: person would, was deeply offended.
1: Would you quit phoning it in? Yeah. You're being shallow. You're being that's shallow. what I'd have heard.
2: Yeah, and that. So, so in that, the person felt like their spirituality was being questioned, and I guess in a way, if I looked at it, observed it more from a a deeper way than just throwing out a term like that, I would see that that's really what I did. Was I questioned. I was trying to what? Fix.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: What I saw um, wouldn't help the person being more effective as a minister. Mm -hmm. What I did was insult. That's not a good tactic.
1: And not what you meant to do.
2: No, not at all. So... The good out of that was we really did have a deep conversation. And what I was longing to have the person express was expressed. But I had to give up my position. I had to say, I'm sorry. I love you. I want to be here with you and for you in order for that deeper conversation to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's never what we think it is, but there's always a possibility for more good to get expressed through it. Now, when my daughter died, I was cracked open to a level that I didn't know how I would take my next step forward. Over time, what I learned was that There was a lot to be grateful for in the experience because I could be with other people who had lost adult children, because I could reflect back on all the gifts. The more I get to talk about her, the more I carry her memory forward in a good way. I don't want her life to be a sad story or my life to be a sad story. So as the minister said yesterday at the church I was attending is stop chasing your tail. And tail is (laughs) T-A-L-E.
1: Oh, yeah. Quit telling your story.
2: Quit with the story. Quit Mm -hmm. with the story. But we have to have a story because that's the way the mind works. Right. So let's
1: make a good story up. (laughs) (laughs) We are headed into a break. I'm Ellen Devonport talking with Reverend Coach Carla McClellan. I'm glad we finally came up with the right title for you, (laughs) the Reverend Coach.
2: I like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, We've been talking about abundance as part of designing your life, that we're entitled to it, it's available to us, and it shows up in some ways we might not label good. So we'll be back with Voices of Unity in just a few minutes.
0: Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity
1: Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics.
0: Healing is the experience in our life of coming out of the darkness into the light. Getting out of the confusion of human consciousness into the allness which is always present. But the allness of infinite life is present even within the illness. So God is not a healer. He doesn't look down upon you and say, well, you're sick, but you're a good person and I like you very much, so I'm going to take this illness away from you. God doesn't take illness away from anybody, nor does God put illness into anyone, which belies a lot of traditional religious thought, too. We talk about, well, suffered to be so, it's God's will, and I guess it's my place to accept it. The will of God must always be the ceaseless longing of the Creator to express itself in that which has created. So it's a constancy, it's a force, which is ever seeking to press itself out into visibility as life, as wholeness, as success.
1: To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org.
0: If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Tune into Everyday Attraction with Ray Zander every Friday at 12 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the Law of Attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at EverydayAttraction.com. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Devenport. We are
1: back with Voices of Unity. I'm Ellen Devenport. Talking to the Reverend Coach Carla McClellan, this is the last of our seven-part series on designing your life. Wow. It's gone by really fast, hasn't it? It
2: it has.
1: And we've talked about so many things, so many different ways to design your life, and you have been so good about giving us tips and tools and steps, numbered steps every week. (laughs) But one of the things I think has come up every week for us is gratitude. Mm -hmm. So maybe that can be our big finish is how do you be grateful? Because we were just talking about abundance and how it doesn't always show up in the way you'd have hoped. It may show up as something you would label bad. Or a dragon. Yeah, a dragon. Dragon on your hero's journey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the Bible, though, says rejoice in in all things. Mm -hmm. Is that even possible? Is it even healthy?
2: Really good questions. So every um, discipline talks about the power of gratitude to shift our focus of attention. And that's the name of the game, no matter um what we are facing is we want to shift we want to transform our life in a way that it's a contribution for other people so gratitude i call a superpower it's a gateway to abundance you see how i use my
1: <laughs> i know you all need to see carla using her hands to talk it really helps me <laughs> so you'll hear her hit the microphone every now and then that's what that is <laughs> Uh, no, I think, and especially when you talk about God, you have to wave your arms a lot. Yes,
2: yes. That, And when I was a dental hygienist, can you imagine instruments in these hands as they were waving around? Oh, dear. <laughs> People really listened to me, <laughs> which is where this whole thing started. Anyway, um, gratitude. So I was using, I was talking about my daughter Paula's. Um, death in the, in the earlier segment and how at 27 and how it just was not anything I wanted to face. Sure. It was not anything I wanted to experience. And yet, um, is it possible in the depths of your grieving to experience gratitude? So can I share an example with you? Oh, Sure. So the first two weeks after Paula died, I couldn't even get out of bed. I mean, I'd roll over and just go back to sleep. I didn't want to be awake. I didn't want to remember. I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to just forget what I was going through. And a minister friend, and I I will say her name, Debbie Taylor, sent me a gift during that time of a huge stuffed teddy bear you know one of those soft gushy teddy bears Mm -hmm. and so as I laid in bed and when I you know I just couldn't even get my breath I would squeeze this teddy bear and and I thought how grateful I am to know somebody who could care enough to give such a creative gift well when I was grateful I wasn't grieving when I was grateful, I wasn't trying to stop the flow of energy through me. The flow was lifting me up of gratitude, was, was opening me to, okay, I can be really, really, really crushed, and yet I can find some gratitude. So whether you're a neuroscientist or a, a metaphysician, gratitude is incredible for Shifting the focus of our attention.
1: I think it's important to notice in that story that you weren't trying to find something to be grateful for about her dying. No. It was gratitude for other things that were happening around you. Do you think sometimes people try to jump to gratitude too soon? Oh, absolutely. Forgiveness, too. Absolutely.
2: There's another show, too. um absolutely in fact um uh that's what you know spiritual bypassing is all about
1: yes right
2: you know people are listing all the things they're um uh grateful for about the job they just lost um the day after because that's you know supposed to be better for their consciousness yeah yeah no it doesn't work like that
1: well because they're Often stuffing a lot of feelings Absolutely. to pretend that they're all grateful and forgiving.
2: Yeah, we we do want to be seen in the best possible light. But the fact is, when I faced that experience, I really saw how principles work and how we can misuse them. The first anniversary of Paula's death uh, was during Advent. And the word I had to talk about was joy. I worked on that talk longer than any other talk I've ever worked on before in my life. Because I thought, to stand up there, to be a preacher of joy, I had to experience joy within myself. The only way that I was able to get to joy was to be grateful for the support of my congregation with me through the experience, to know that there was even something um, greater than my mind at work. It was my faith in our principles. God is, I am, the truth is. um, To practice with prayer and meditation and to allow support in because our brain over exaggerates the danger to us, and underestimates the support we have around us. I'll give you an example of the support I had. Paula died the week before Christmas. So as I was coming up on the first anniversary, I, you know, Christmas, trees, presents. Sorry, my hand's at work again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't find the energy to do that. sure. Do you know my congregation brought over a Christmas tree? Oh. Set it up for me, brought the decorations. I didn't even have to find my own decorations. Brought me dinner during the tree trimming and just loved me through a very painful time in my life. I will never stop being grateful. Yeah. For that support. What I realized to be grateful allowed support in and made life a lot more enjoyable. You know, we will be sad. We will be furious. We can also find joy in the experience of being sad and being furious when we shift the focus inward. To that truth within us is something greater than this drama or circumstance.
1: I'm thinking this is especially relevant as we're doing this show. We're headed into the holidays, Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And I have spent some holiday seasons just feeling guilty that I wasn't grateful and wasn't joyful and bah humbug. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So say, say some more about how to find joy when there are some genuinely sad things going on in your life
2: and i i have to tell you even 13 years later as i you know think about thanksgiving and christmas my intention is to do them differently than i've done them before so in other words i have to um Embrace the fact that there are less people at my Thanksgiving table, mm-hmm. but honor their memory in a new way that allows me to be so grateful I had that much love in my life, that I had those experiences. I'm never grateful they're gone. There's no joy, really, in that. But the joy is remembering. So I do something every Thanksgiving and every Christmas that that for me— brings the meaning out of the fact that I had to let go of people I loved, Mm -hmm. especially my daughter. Mm -hmm. And my other daughter and I do something together to remember her that um, brings us a sense of joy, a sense of connection, a sense of knowing that we're still energies neither lost nor destroyed somewhere in the ethers. (laughs) There is that love that we created. Yes. And I can find it again by being grateful. And then there's some joy. So grateful is, um, you know, it's not something to feel guilty about not having. Because I also went through the experience of, um, well, could, I mean, a mother who had lost her daughter, was she supposed to laugh? Oh, right. Oh, really? You're supposed to stand up and, and talk about spiritual principles? Are, are you allowed to even smile? Um, so it it is a deepening of our own self-awareness that even in the depths of grieving, of, of owning, this is not what I wanted in any way, shape, or form, um, there was something greater than that inside of me. And that's when I looked at the, my use of words, like what joy meant to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What, in okay, you know, I shared, Fillmore said you can't have a demonstration. Your dream can't come true without enthusiasm. Uh-huh being the energy that that carries that dream from an idea into uh, a demonstration, a manifestation if you will or whatever word you want to use, makes it real. Um so so what did enthusiasm mean to me? Could I grieve and be in, and still feel enthusiastic about something? So at Christmas time still I'm not into the presents and necessarily. Oh my gosh! I have so many wonderful memories of my mother making every different kind of Christmas cookie. Mm. I make none. <laughs> you want a cookie? Go to the bakery. <laughs> it's like, and I don't mean to be that flippant about it, but, but it, it to me it. It doesn't bring me a sense of joy unless my daughter is there making them with me or my grandson wants to ice in the cookies or or whatever it is. The relationships are what really matter to me. Mm -hmm. And so when I focus on that, then I feel connected and a flow of energy that lifts up the pain of grieving.
1: So, you know, I wrote that book about... The Hallway, about being in that period of transition after something life-changing has happened, Mm -hmm. called Hell in the Hallway, Light at the Door.
2: Wonderful book.
1: Thank you. I learned a lot from the people I talked to about it who shared their stories with me. And it seems to me there's a point in grief that you've just been describing when you don't want to wallow. A lot of people are afraid they're wallowing Mm -hmm. if they keep feeling sad. On the other hand, they feel guilty about laughing, yeah, and moving on, and they don't know when it's okay to do that and there's there seem to be a lot of shoulds wrapped up in grief that no one quite knows how to answer.
2: I agree with that it's a um, it it there is no one book <laughs> that that can take you through the experience, but it can guide you through the experience of grieving. I had um, someone say to me, well, do you know there's a landing place in grief? And I said, what do you mean? And it's, it's, it's a point at which, in, you know, psychologically I think it was like 18 months in mm-hmm. that I thought, oh, plop, I've landed. Hmm. I can stand up from here. Before that, you're just kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, And you just have to go with the crazy. And um, what I would do is, my husband's big thing is um, rejection. You know, hate to feel he's being rejected. And he grew up with three sisters, so he's always been trying to please women. (laughs) (laughs) Good. So I love it. (laughs) So in that, I would need to be very clear with him. I'm going into the bedroom right now. I'm going to have a pity party. It's probably going to last a couple hours. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to support me in my grieving. I'm just going to take my photo album, and I'm going to go in the bedroom and grab my teddy bear and grieve.
1: Wow. That's a lot of self-awareness for you, too. I need to set aside some time here to grieve, and that's what I tell
2: people: have a have a a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so in the process of grieving, you can't come up with a plan on your own.
1: So plan in advance.
2: It's, yeah, yeah. So if you're going through a crisis, don't do it alone, please. There are people who would love it; would be their greatest joy to support you through the process and allow you to get the healing that would come from it. Grief is much like trauma. It's a traumatic experience in our life. Mm -hmm. So the way we really get through it eventually is to write a new story about it. Right. To create something from that that has meaning not just for you but for other people. And so when I could stand up, when my grief bottomed out and I could begin to say, Oh, wait a minute, I'm not I'm not writing a sad story. I don't want people to feel sorry for me because I was blessed beyond words with this beautiful soul. Sure. So I wanted them to know that. Um, so then the story begins how you create anew. I have one story that I'm still really close with the board president during uh, my time at um, Unity of Independence. We've remained very close friends. And one time she went out to um, to pick up my daughter because my daughter couldn't drive to church uh, and I couldn't. There wasn't. Anyway, details. But she thought she'd do me a favor and bring Paula to church. And I can't remember what the event was. But as she was sitting, Paula was in a wheelchair. And as Mary Kay was sitting with Paula, she said, So what do you think about your mother? And she said, Well, I really enjoy listening to her, but I have no idea what she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. And I thought, it just made me laugh. Because... She knew in the energy something good was happening. Even if she couldn't understand, she felt mm-hmm. connected with me. Mm-hmm. And through that relationship, she was enjoying it, even if she didn't understand what I was talking about. You know, it's, it's people don't have to understand you to have a relationship with you.
1: No, because it's all about energy anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah. Bottom line, so good energy, Gratitude. Gratitude will take you out of worry, doubt, fear. It'll take you out of um, of anything, but it has to be authentic gratitude. It's like when you give somebody a compliment; they can tell if it's just you know you're you're trying to manipulate them, sure, or if they truly believe what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You you can tell that because there's an energy with that that is sincere. Um, And so that's, with the death of my daughter, is how I became Reverend Coach Carla, is because I found to move forward in my life, I needed coaching skills. And I needed to take action, even though I had issues.
1: Well, we teach what we need to learn, right? Right. All the time.
2: So um, I've often, when I'm creating titles for talks, Very careful when I choose forgiveness, (laughs) right? Because you'll get to
1: live it before you preach it. Oh
2: boy! And realistically, truthfully, we all do. We all are here to wake up to what is ours to face, and it is those dragons. It is those. I remember saying to my dad, "Well, do you ever get to relax?" (laughs) And he said, "Of course." celebration is how we honor the spirit within us. So when you've, when you've accomplished a goal, when as a team, your team has accomplished a goal, it is so important to appreciate those people and to celebrate the goal before we set the next one. And those of us who tend to have driven behavior (laughs) think it's about, well, what's the next goal? Well, what's the next goal? Um, so, being visionary is a blessing and a curse, yes, because you can always see you
1: can always see more more,
2: and you can always see you're moving forward towards it, but it's never in the time frame we put it in because it comes from the vision comes from metaphysical reality, which doesn't know time it's in physical reality that we run up against the energy of time and money
1: it's in- so- Go ahead. So I'm wondering about goals. Mm -hmm. This whole series has been about designing your life. How do you know when you're done? Um, Do you you have people just set really specific goals, like I'll lose this many pounds or make this much money?
2: No, I do goal setting a little bit differently. Um, uh, So if the goal is that we start with intention. So, and and I'm really setting an intention now. Um, through the period for the next four months, I'm going to focus on being more physically fit and healthy. Okay. So there are tasks that I do. So that I know I'm working towards being physically fit and healthy. One is diet, another is exercise. Uh, you know, all those kinds of things. You know, weighing myself is an important aspect to see that that scale's going down, because <laughs> I'm through with it going up right now. Um, but but to be physically fit and healthy um, is a great intention. But what's the goal? Losing weight doesn't do anything for me. You know, it doesn't motivate me past the gorgeous dessert I would see in front of me one night. And I think, oh, you've been a good girl today. You can do that. No, I've got to have a goal that is more um, uh, juicy than that. So March the 2nd, I'm going on a
1: cruise with you. Yes, with me.
2: We're going on a unity cruise. We're going to be um, uh, contributing um, to uh, Puerto Rico, where where the island has been devastated. And so we're going to go there in the spirit of we're all one, we love you, and we want to physically support you, not just with prayer, but with effort, with right. work. So I want to look cute. So to me, looking cute re- requires me to be less weighted. <laughs> I, I have some... Um, I want to wear shorts. I want to feel comfortable in my bathing suit. I want to really enjoy the experience of cruising.
1: We're expected to wear bathing suits. I thought we were going as spiritual teachers. (laughs)
2: We are looking cute in our bathing suits. (laughs) (laughs) It, It is funny, but I love the water. I mean, I come alive in water. Oh, So bathing suit, to be embarrassed in a bathing suit... And I can take a lot. Um, but but to be too embarrassed to show up in a bathing suit, to me, would limit my joy on the cruise. Mm-hmm. So I have bathing suits. I, want, I know what I would like to look like in. <laughs> so that keeps me focused on March 2nd. So today is, is November the 13th. 13th. And um, so I've got about four months to get my act together. So I've hired a personal trainer. He's putting together a diet plan for me. I, have you know, told my husband that it's going to be sort of different eating style in our home because we go out to eat all the time. Mm -hmm. And you really can't control your diet if you're going out to eat all the time. But I don't intend to deny myself the enjoyment of going out to eat, but I'm going to make better choices when I go out to eat. So I'm going to watch certain aspects and, and, but not because, see, I can't do it out of, well, I'm doing this just for me. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So I'm doing it for you, Ellen, so that when you see me in a bathing suit, no, Uh, it's, 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 um, uh, playing a game worth playing for goals worth playing for. So one of the um, one of my um, clients is writing his own uh, one man version of his life in play form, and um, he is de- creating. He's singing songs that brought him through his transformation in life. Hmm. And I am so excited to support him through that. Does everything in the world come up to knock him off his course? Oh, sure. Absolutely. But we always talk about the dream. And so his play, he's found the theater. He's got the coaches working with him to develop the play and the songs. He's thinking the end of February. Well, my promise to him is I will be there. I will be sitting in the front row clapping the loudest. Now we're both invested in his dream. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: He can feel supported. I don't have to do it for him. He knows how to do it. I know how to hold his dream alive for him while he goes through the fog of monkey mind, which always will come up.
1: (laughs) We are in the last minute of our seven-part series. Oh. Carla, thank you so much for doing this. We, we've we reached this point of gratitude and abundance, and I am grateful for you. Grateful that you've been willing to share all of this with our listeners. Grateful for all the tips and tools you've given us. If you're just discovering this show, go back to the beginning of this series. It's like Netflix. Start <laughs> at the beginning and just binge <laughs> through all seven shows because it, it's been a, a rich information about how to design your life, how to overcome any blocks to your good, and how to reach that point of abundance and gratitude. So thank you very much. My joy. And we'll be back next week, starting with Ben Jamieson, who's written a book called Church-Free Spirituality on Voices of Unity. Thank
0: you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you
2: want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters Podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg